With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by Nick Corti of Over the Cap, the Broncos Cap Expert is how I like to refer to you to my friends. Uh, thanks for joining me again, man. Always good to talk to you, Joe. Uh, so I kind of wanted to, like, I, back when we did, like, before free agency, we had talked about wanting to kind of take a look before the draft, kind of between the draft and between free agency to kind of, like, take another look at your roadmap. Because if you guys haven't seen it, Nick has a really great roadmap on his website, In Thin Air, that kind of looks at what really makes the most sense for the Broncos uh, to kind of like really bolster the roster this offseason. Uh, and what I th- what I think is really cool up till this point is that in a lot of ways, George Payton has followed it um, pretty closely. And I know I have when I've done a lot of my like mocks, my mock scenarios, type stuff like that. Um, but there's definitely still some things that are kind of like left to do. And I wanted to kind of go over some of that before we kind of pivot to look at kind of like looming free agents and kind of just what it all means. Um, and so the, the big one for me kind of just to start is obviously number one on your roadmap was indem- indemnify the quarterback position. And as of now, they haven't done anything at quarterback. I mean, that is correct. And I mean, from the outside, it makes me a little impatient i guess you know i wanted to see some sort of solution there but at the same time you know you don't want to you know act as as peyton would say you act aggressively but not recklessly and i don't know if any of the other quarterback moves that have been made that was in the vein of what i was looking for by other teams i don't know if i classify any of them as reckless um, but if they're just not quarterbacks that Peyton is interested in, you know, and, and if he just wants to be patient and, you know, see what comes up out there, you know, I can respect that. You know, there's been a lot of talk about possibly trading for someone instead of signing someone as a free agent. A trade kind of makes me a little, I, I'm not a big fan of giving up draft capital, in a trade, you know, I think you can make it work in a ways like I would prefer more of like a like a draft swap, you know, just moving down a spot or like if if there's always been talk about the Broncos trading down from the first round, you know, if if say if say they're interested in Nick Foles, you, he's just one piece of the puzzle to trade down from nine to twenty and is not the whole thing. So that's just one option out there. There's other quarterbacks out there that could get talked about. And after the draft, of course, teams may have different opinions on their own quarterbacks. So hopefully there'll be an answer during or immediately after the draft on that. That's my hope, but we shall see. And one thing uh, I know NFL Network's James Palmer has mentioned that uh, the Bron- and it, 
and and I've heard a lot of you know we've we've probably both seen a lot of different reports about it. But one thing that James Palmer mentioned is that Peyton is not in a hurry to grab any quarterback. He's looking if he's going to grab a quarterback, he's looking to try and get an upgrade on Drew Locke because the Broncos feel like they have a quarterback. It's kind of a matter of what they're going to do from there. And so I'm impatient too. I've definitely it. The fact that it's hanging over everything has made me feel a little bit quarterback crazy just because I feel like you almost have to continue to talk about it, even though there's probably not going to be any resolution until the draft because it's it's looking more and more like the Broncos are going to wait and see what happens in the draft before they do anything at quarterback anyway. Because like you said, after some of these top teams take a guy, we could see Gardner Minshew on the move. We could see potentially Teddy Bridgewater on the move. Nick Foles, as you mentioned, could be on the move. So even Jimmy Garoppolo, even though the San Francisco 49ers said that they would have to have a first round pick, that may change once they have their guy. We don't know yet, but so I, I definitely think a move is still kind of looming on the horizon, but as of now, we just, it's kind of hurry up and wait. Yep. Pretty much. I agree. Uh, one, one question I had for you, because you mentioned this and this was something on my mind, basically since Tampa Bay last year is the Broncos have not made a move with Jeff Driscoll yet. Um, I assume it's just because they can do it at any time. Like there's not really any benefit to doing it right now, but it, it feels almost like it has to happen just because like he's expensive for a QB three. Brett Rippon has clearly outplayed him at this point. Like unless they have faith that Jeff Driscoll with an off season can put it back together. Um, but he costs quite a bit for a backup quarterback who is possibly QB three, maybe even QB four, depending on what they do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't see much use of keeping him around either. That's why I listed that in the roadmap. But I mean, at the same time, you know, they've managed their financial resources well. There's no, you know, burning need to do it right this moment. Um, I'm sure if when another veteran quarterback is acquired, then Driscoll becomes more expendable. So I mean, I'm not I'm not terribly alarmed by it. I think it's a matter of time, but we shall see. Uh, and I just I, I wanted to ask you just because I've had a lot of people asking me about that. Um, and again, I'm not trying to run him out of town by any means, but I just it, it does seem to be a question that's kind of pressing on people. Um, one one thing I want to kind of mention, and it's on your roadmap, but again, this is like a hurry up and wait type thing. A lot of what you you kind of outline are that the Broncos should look at a rookie at a couple of different spots. Um, and actually, I agree with you on all three of them. And they are uh, safety, running back, and linebacker. I was really, really thankful that George Payton did not go out and spend a lot of money on a running back or on a linebacker, just because I didn't I didn't think this free agent class was really great at either spot, which meant that the guys that were kind of worth chasing. We're probably going to get a little bit more than they sh- not necessarily that more than they should, but more than I was comfortable with the Broncos paying them. Yeah, I agree with that. And when I listed that there, I don't think I saw any need for veteran acquisitions there. Now, obviously, they signed Mike Boone to replace Philip Lindsay, which we didn't quite see. Um, yeah. I think that I think the obvious I think the the conventional wisdom is that they just tender him and let him play one more year and then go from there. But uh, Decided to move on and, uh, you know, resolved it about as good as they could. You know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of um, – there's, there's been a lot of bias in Lindsay's favor for being the hometown guy. But, um, you, you know, I, I think uh, everyone has their different opinion. Peyton had his different opinion, and uh, we'll see what Boone can do there. Um, but even regardless of that um, – 
I was thinking more of the draft just because even if Lindsay had stayed and also Melvin Gordon and at linebacker, you've got Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, they're all unrestricted free agents next year. So even if um, you're good with them here, it's, it's good to think about the future as well and what, um, you know, get some young guys in in case uh, you're not able to extend any of them or are unwilling. Well, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of fans kind of overlook with the draft is that the draft is really about setting yourself up for down the road. Like smart teams are drafting. Yeah, you keep your immediate needs in mind, but you don't let that cloud your judgment and not take a guy thinking that next year we may very well need him, especially at valuable positions. Yeah, and, and even then, you know, it's it's good not to lock yourself into needs even like two or three years down the road, you know, you want to get your, get yourself in the draft where you're just drafting the best players that you can get. And when I say acquire rookies, that doesn't even need to be drafted rookies. Even undrafted free agents can fill that, but just to get some young depth in there to prepare in case maybe you strike gold with one of those and you know, it, you can, you have got lots of options heading into your next off, off season. Well, one, one thing that because of Lindsay's gone, I, I have seen uh, an increase of in people asking for the Broncos to take a running back at nine or, and, and I know linebacker is a very popular position because people see Micah Parsons, see, people see like the, the, the ability to step in, replace Josie Jewell immediately. Um, personally, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but like personally, I don't really like it just because, I mean, and there's a number of reasons, but like first and foremost, I feel like the positional value isn't great in the, in terms of the first round. I'm not necessarily a running backs don't matter guy, but I do think that when you're drafting a first round running back or a linebacker, you're losing out on a potential fifth year option for a more valuable position. And essentially like the contract benefit you're getting for, especially with a running back. If you draft a running back at nine, I want to say he's the 15th highest paid running back before he ever takes a snap in the NFL. I don't like that at all. And the fact that you have Melvin Gordon already under contract Usually when you draft a running back that highly, like he's an immediate starter. So like it's it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that they would do that. Um, am I crazy? No, I agree with you. And I think the point you make about the contract is something that uh, Jason at Over the Cap really likes to stress is that when you have a pick that high, you know, if all things are equal with talent, then keep in mind how much that player is going to cost uh, when he's no longer on a rookie contract. And running backs, linebackers, even safeties, those are usually lower value as opposed to something like a quarterback or an edge or a cornerback. And those are the type of positions where they can get spendy uh, once they prove themselves and are off their rookie contracts. Definitely. And that's, I mean, personally for me, I know I've been, I know Twitter at this point knows me as like the quarterback guy because I basically every day say how much I love Justin Fields. And I do like that's just straight. <laughs> but but uh, one thing I've really come around on is the idea that if the Broncos get locked out of a quarterback because it looks like that might happen. I really like the idea of taking a tackle uh, just because Juwan James kind of looks like he's going to maybe even if he plays well this year, because Justin Simmons contract jumps next year in terms of overall costs, if the cap doesn't go up as some hope the Broncos may very well have to kind of find a space to create cap room. And the fact that Garrett Bowles and Juwan James contracts are both pretty, I want to say between the two of them, it comes out to about 30, I want to say 35 million, but I might be wrong. It's in that ballpark. Juwan James looks like a pretty obvious candidate to either squeeze the contract or cut it. 
And I think it would be make sense, especially considering how long it takes tackles to kind of get up to speed a lot of times and the strength of this class. I like the idea of a tackle at nine if that's what they're stuck with. Um, because tackles are a valuable position. Yeah, that sounds great to me. Um, you know, uh, scouting is something that's more of a weakness of mine than a strength. So I won't speak too much on who that tackle should be. But, you know, I've heard the names like Panay Sewell that, that a lot of people thought he'd be a no-brainer top five pick. But now it's like maybe he falls yeah. to nine. Uh, Rashawn Slater's another name I hear. And I'm sure there's some others out there. Um but yeah, I think that's a fine idea if that's the way the Broncos go. You explained well, you know, the uncertainty with Jawan James down the road and and the cost uh, between him and Bowles. So that would make good sense to me. The, the most important thing is to just whoever you take there, whether it's a tackle or not, just get a really good football player. Yeah. Well, and one other reason that I I, I, I keep kind of coming back to tackle with this too is one of the other big things on your roadmap that the Broncos, they may have done depending on what you think of Kelvin Anderson, but number, point nine on your roadmap was address the right tackle position, and you left a budget of $2 million for a swing tackle. And the Broncos did bring back Kelvin Anderson on a, a an ERFA contract. And granted, like obviously, like he could play left tackle, he could play right tackle, but I would think based on just what I've seen that they might want to try and find another guy Granted, DeMar Dotson's still out there. Um, they could take him back after the draft. I just think – and you've t- you've touched on this a few different times on Twitter – is that contracts at this point are all kind of hanging underneath the uh, the compensatory pick uh, formula. Yeah? Yeah, I mean oh, – No, as far, I, yeah, as far as – sorry about that. As far no, as the comp pick formula goes, that doesn't really affect the Broncos because they're probably not going to get anything right there. But even then, I mean, you don't want to spend for the sake of spending if no one is really going to compete with that. And, you know, as far as the swing tackle position goes, it'd be great if Calvin Anderson is the guy. He should definitely be part of the competition. Uh, but at the same time, it, I think it would be good to get some competition, whether that is a veteran or whether it's in the draft anywhere. I mean, even if, if they don't address it at nine, if you're addressing tackle at nine, you, you hope he's going to be a excellent starter, mm-hmm. you know, but if you can, yeah, I think, I think you mentioned that the rookie class here could be deep. And if it is, you could, if you find a mid round pick, that could be a, you know, just as suitable of competition for Anderson as, as a veteran would. So we'll see where they go with that. There's two other big points on your roadmap. One of them, I think you and I probably agree. Uh, exercise Bradley Chubb's fifth year option. That feels like it's going to be a no brainer. Like once it comes up, I know he's had some injuries Um, back when there was, and again, I'm not trying to say innocent or not, but like back before the allegations against Deshaun Watson, I did wonder if Bradley Chubb might be trade bait just because like at one point it looked like they were going to have to trade defensive starters and Chubb's contract did make it look like he would make sense just because you could trade him before you have to pay him. Now that that doesn't necessarily look like it's going to happen. I think obviously Bradley Chubb's in the long-term plans. So I think the fifth year option is probably basically a given. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I think it's inevitable too. I think the only thing you maybe hold out for is if something crazy happens in the draft where, 
you know, the, the draft falls in a way. I mean, and we saw this when they got Chubb himself. They ended up declining Shane Ray's fifth-year fifth option because they weren't expecting they – had, they had zero mocks, they said, that had the ability – for them the ability to get Chubb, but that's how the way it happens. So, I mean, there's no real harm done in, in letting it go to the deadline, but I'm sure they'll pick it up. Yeah. And then so the other one that you kind of brought up – is uh, your point 11 was bring back any of the following unrestricted free agencies as back bring back any of the unrestricted free agents as backups if the price is right and uh, the players that you mentioned were Will Parks Demarcus Walker Devontae Bosby and Joseph Jones I like all four players so I, I wanted to bring this up just for because I've also had quite a few people ask me about this I do think now that the Broncos signed Shamar Steven Demarcus Walker's probably not coming back just because at this point, Shamar Steven, I want to say, is either DL5 or DL6, and he'll probably compete with whoever else they bring in. Um, and the Broncos, in the last two years under Fangio, they typically carry between five and six defensive linemen. So I don't I don't think they're trying to go out and sign a guy just to cut him later. Um, I mean, it might happen, but I, I don't foresee it. But Will Parks, I think Will Parks makes sense if – I think all of them will probably be after the draft or – if they can get them for the right cost right before it. But like Will Parks as a nickel backup makes a lot of sense to me. Devontae Bosby as an outside only backup makes sense to me. And Joseph Jones, I like what he does on special teams. I, I do wonder if they're going to be hesitant with all three of them just because each of them, well, not, maybe not Parks. Parks is definitely not as much. But like Devontae Bosby doesn't really contribute a lot to special teams. And Joseph Jones doesn't really offer a lot to defense. So I kind of feel like all of them kind of fit under post-draft probably if it happens yeah i'd say post-draft as well and and really looking at those four i think parks is the only one that i would really think might have a chance of coming back just because the depth is not terrific at safety um we'll see there but you know they double down on on cornerbacks and free agency that probably takes biosby out of the equation you mentioned steven with walker and hopefully in the draft they get some special teams depth with rookies, which which may make Jones a little more expendable. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean they unfortunately they're at that, that point of their career where they just may be waiting for that call for a while. And so whether that comes from Denver or whoever, we shall see. Definitely. Uh, so kind of uh, from there because I wanted to kind of. I kind of wanted to see where you land with the Broncos free agency, just because they did make a few moves since the last time I spoke with you. Uh, the The idea that they, they picked up Von Miller, I think you and I both wanted them to do that. They didn't extend him. I like that. And I know you did. Or, or that was on your roadmap. Um, I liked the Kyle Fuller signing. Uh, I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, I, I thought it was awesome that it was so quick. Basically, the Bears cut him, and I want to say it was like 34 minutes later. So that was yeah. cool. Um the Ronald Darby, uh, Ronald Darby was signed, but he counts for four million against the cap this year. Same with Shelby Harris. Um, the the way that they manipulated the cap hits for these players, I thought was really savvy. Um, I think it's interesting that the Broncos have, I want to say, a little bit over twenty seven million dollars in cap space right now, even after free agency. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a good job with it. I mean, Savvy may be giving them a little too much credit. I think there's a lot of teams that are doing similar tactics to you know, na- navigate around the fallen cap this year. Um, but I think really, I mean, the, the numbers that stick out to me more are not the cap, but just the cash commitments to all of that. And I think they did a good job with that. Um, I, I probably like the Darby signing value-wise a little more than Jason did. I, th- I think he thought that he they could probably get him for cheaper, but I think it was – a good aggressive but not reckless move by Peyton just to get his guy right there. And he was really the only priority free agent uh, that they landed. You know, they worked hard to keep Shelby Harris on board, which I, I thought was, was very reasonable. Um, picked up Vaughn Miller's option, and we'll see where he goes, just like I thought. Um, Kyle Fuller, I think that's just tremendous luck that they that he was even available. I don't know what the Bears were thinking in cutting him. Um, so that's just great luck there. And I think it's a I think a one year deal is fair for Fuller to see you know what he can do and to try to see if he can get back up to what he was slated to earn with Chicago. Um, but obviously the Fangio connection, you know made it be a less than hour signing there. That's always good when you've got a good connection there. And I think another move that they navigated really well um, that I did not anticipate was their decision to decline Kareem Jackson's option and basically let him test the markets. Um, I don't know, as an outsider, I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that, but I probably didn't have the information or the um, intuition that they may have had about where the safety market was going. Um, We saw, I think it was Anthony Harris get something very similar to what Kareem Jackson got. So I think that was a good indication that once that happened, Jackson wasn't going to have much leverage to really improve upon whatever Denver was offering. So that was that it was it was it was a little bit of a gamble but it was a skillful gamble and it's good to have Jackson back and I think we'll see where he goes just like with Vaughn Miller after another year and you know move on make the next decision from there well and one of the things I thought I, I thought of you when this happened just because I remember talking to you about it and asking is he gonna is he gonna do this is he gonna let Kareem Jackson go into free agency and risk losing him? And we both agreed it, it could blow up in his face. Um, obviously, it didn't. Uh, and I, I do think, like, once you count the cap hit, he does count, like, like I, I think his actual contract number is one thing, but the fact that they're paying him off the dead cap. So he still counts $7.28 million, but it is a, it's a pretty steep pay cut for him. Um, and from the Broncos' perspective, it's, it's savvy. I'm on the fence with Payne just because I, I do believe – I liked him. I liked him on paper. But you can't never tell with a with a GM, you know, because so much of what they do before they come in is just based on what happened with their team. Um, so I, I've been really firmly in like wait and see mode. And honestly, the way he's treated free agency was I it was great. I, I liked what they did. I, I do think like you, the Kyle Fuller decision turned into a little bit of luck. I like that they got him. Um, but they had they had tried to bring in Mike Davis from the Chargers and it didn't work. So at one point they only had Darby. That was a little bit scary just because it was looking like they were going to have to take a corner somewhere to me. 
Um, but now that they have Fuller, they have the flexibility. They don't have to reach for a corner. I like that. I like that too. Yeah. And I think another thing that surprised me, but certainly didn't upset me was their desire to pick up two corners. Um, obviously they let Boye go. So they needed at least one. Um, but I, I, I can't really find any fault in that when, um, you know, nickel tends to be the new base these days. It especially yeah. is in a Fangio defense. And I still have pretty high hopes for OJ Mudia and for Bassey, but, uh, you know, get that depth for one more year. Maybe they build it up and, you know, we'll see where, where Fuller is, if, if uh, whether he comes back or not and, and how OJ Moody and Bassey progress may decide whether that, whether that happens or not. Definitely. And one other thing I like about it, and you mentioned it is the Nicholas base is the, uh, the Broncos played 75% of their snaps last year with either five DBs or more. And now that they have right now, at least they have a lot of depth at corner so if Ojemudia and Bassey, well, like if they all come back healthy and they all progress as you would hope, the Broncos have the personnel that if they want to, and if they, let's say they don't upgrade at linebacker enough to have a coverage linebacker, they could feasibly play more dime. And I, I'm down with it. I like it because, I mean, Kyle Fuller and Darby both have inside-outside flexibility if you want it. I think Darby is probably the better option to do that because I think Ojemudia is better outside. But – then you have Bassey as a backup and you have Callahan. And if Callahan's back healthy, like the cornerback group looks pretty stout if everybody's healthy and the, the younger players progress a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, one, one thing I want to kind of touch on with, and you've touched on it a little bit with Fuller is a lot of the moves the Broncos made were one year signings. Um, Fuller, Von Miller, uh, Kareem Jackson, like all these guys are looming free agents in 2022. And in addition to that, and I'm not going to go over the whole list, but there's actually 32 players, counting uh, Bradley Chubb, that have contracts that expire at the end of this year. Uh, and, and again, the big ones to me, and, and let me know if I'm missing anybody, the big ones to me are Sutton, Corton Sutton, obviously, Von Miller, the the cornerbacks we just touched on in Kareem Jackson, and then Alexander Johnson, and then I think like as like a sneaky type thing, the fact that both Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton have contracts set to expire kind of looks like I feel like receiver is a bigger need than we give it a lot of credit. If you're thinking ahead, because you have three wide receivers who could be gone next year. I don't think all of them will be, but they could be. Yeah, it could, it could be a sneaky thing. Um, I think, uh, you know, going back to this list when we look, when we look over it, um, for a while, I've been thinking that the like the priority free agent for 2022, um, like probably the one that would get franchise tagged if you were going to use it on it is Corlin Sutton. Yeah. Um, I don't expect any um, negotiation between either of the two of them anytime soon. There's just uncertainty about coming back from his ACL and also just uncertainty at the wide, wide receiver position in general across the NFL. We saw how that really lingered um, or got delayed a little bit uh, on the early stages of free agency. You saw a lot of players just take one year deals because the market for their, for them wasn't, was as expected. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I, I especially think it's, it's not in Sutton's interest to, you know, negotiate, too early on this, lest, lest you get locked into a really team-friendly deal. So 
But um, I think, I mean, assuming all goes well with him, I think he's the priority. And if you've, you you still, if everything still goes well with Judy and Hamler, that's a pretty good starting base right there. Um, Patrick and Hamilton, you know, with so many, I don't think you can keep all of them. Um, You know, uh, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network uh, talked about Hamilton possibly being a trade target um, during or around the draft. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I've also said that with his with his salary, which I mean, the good news is that he got a raise. The bad news is, is the team may not think he's he's worth that raise if he ends up being only like a wide receiver number five or something. So I was kind of worried that, you know, someone like him might not just might not make it out of camp. So if you can, if, if they are able to trade him and get good value for that, I could easily see that coming. Me too. And, and kind of to, to what you mentioned earlier, it wouldn't completely surprise me if Hamilton actually ends up being involved in a, in a looming trade that'll eventually happen for a veteran quarterback, just because one of these teams may very well see him as a more valuable piece of the rotation for them than he would be in Denver barring, you know, health issues because I, and, and I like Hamilton, so I don't want this to you know sound like me trying to like crap on him by any means, but he, he has inside outside versatility, but he doesn't really add a lot in terms of like vertical speed. He's his hands, his hands look better last year, but he's had some drops on tape and he doesn't really give you a ton of special teams value. So if he's not contributing to the offense, he's kind of just depth. And that, that might hurt him when you have so many players above him on the depth chart. Um, granted, I, again, like for a, for a Shanahan type team or a team that wants a receiver who can block, I think Hamilton does have some value. I just, I don't, especially with this contract, this situation as it is, I don't think he's probably going to draw more than like a six round pick. But if, if that guy ends up being, instead of a six round pick, let's say you get Gardner Minshew back, like I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking whether like, like say like a, a Hamilton for Minshew straight up deal or Foles or something like that would be acceptable to the other side. If it's not, you know, again, like like we'll use the Bears as another example. Yeah. Maybe in addition to whatever draft capital goes, Foles and Hamilton get swapped in that. Um, you know, I, you mentioned Shanahan, and I mean, I always think of the 49ers as a willing trade partner just because, I mean, although Elway is not the GM anymore, he's still in the building, and he and John Lynch are really good friends, and so there's always the – connection there i don't know i mean the niners have got they've got samuel they've got Ayuk. i don't know how much need they have there but that's always a team to think about with any trade and i I can't think of any other teams that are really off the top of my head that are really dying for wide receiver depth at this point but it could be just be something simple where you know peyton's talking with everyone throughout the draft and it's just like you know let's keep this offer for Hamilton in mind in case we want to, we want to move up or move back or whatever with any other teams. So just one piece of the puzzle to keep in mind that may or may not happen. Definitely. And one other thing that'll probably hurt his trademark. And again, in my mind is the fact that this wide receiver class is considered the second straight, like very, very strong wide receiver class. So I would think if they're going to move Hamilton, and again, I might be wrong. Like as we record this, I want to make sure like people know in case, you know, obviously they trade him tomorrow. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday. So I don't foresee 
Hamilton being traded in the next couple days, but just in case he's traded or whatever. But but the thing is, for other GMs, it probably makes sense to see how the board falls. If you have a rookie that you really feel good about, you can get him. If not, you might have an offer to go get Hamilton, who's a veteran, knows what he's doing, stuff like that. And he's young enough that he could still improve. Yep, it's it's a possibility. You know, I'll just mention again that I think his his contract where he got that PPE raise is a little unfortunate, and that it, it'll also make him a little less attractive in a trade just because you're paying him more when you might be able to get you know a rookie or a street free agent for cheaper. But you know, it all it takes is one team that you know really likes him. So we'll see how that goes. One last thing I'd like to talk to you about is just in terms of like the draft. And I know you've said before that you just want the Broncos to get good players, but but are there any positions in particular that kind of stand out to you that you hope they address early rather than, you know, kind of letting it fall to them? Um, Because again, I, and I'm out in front as the quarterback guy. Like if a quarterback falls to nine, one of the big four, I want to make, make it clear. I'm not, I'm not a Mac Jones believer, but, but if one of the big four fall, to nine and Peyton doesn't take him. I'll be pretty bummed just because I just see the value. And also the fact that Sam Darnold was just traded for pretty decent capital, even after just about as bad a situation for him, as you can imagine, like I was like even Josh Rosen, when Josh Rosen tanked out, he still netted a, a day two pick in return. I, I'm all for that. Um, but barring that, are there any positions that kind of stand out to you that you kind of hope the Broncos look at early? You know, I mean, the good news, once again, is I think that Peyton has covered all of the positions pretty well. So, you know, it's tough to just say the boring answer and just say get the best player that you can. Um, I will say, though, on the quarterback, um, if if you've done your scouting homework and you're at nine or you're close to it and you think that quarterback can be the guy – then you make that move. Now, again, I'm I I am I am weak when I am a scout, so I'm not going to say um, I I'm not going to say which quarterbacks have the best or worst chance of of hitting or busting. Um, you've got your own opinions on that, and that's great. And I'm sure Peyton has his. Yep. Um, but whatever opinion that you reach, you know, you have to be prepared if 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 that quarterback is available at a reasonable spot, you go get them. Same. Well, and the other thing with that is too, it, let, let's say Peyton doesn't see, like let's say two guys fall to him or even one guy falls to him and he doesn't like that guy. Like let's say he's out on Justin Fields and, you know, just hypothetically and Justin Fields is there at nine. Personally, that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big proponent. If anybody else wants them, trade back if you can. And and I know like there's, there's multiple trade value charts out there at this point. I'm of the opinion Personally, if, if you if you know that you don't want to take that guy and the value of this draft, in my opinion, again, the Broncos will definitely have their own views on this. But but if I don't see the value at so different from nine at most positions to say 15. So if let's say Justin Fields falls to nine, you don't want him. But the Patriots want to give you basically another day two pick. I'm down to move um, is where I'm at. And I like Patrick Sertan quite a bit. But for me, it's just the difference between Patrick Sertan and let's say J.C. Horn or the next cornerback is not so different that not getting another pick because getting another day two pick is another it's another bite of the apple. Like I'm all for it, especially in a year like this 
with so much uncertainty about opt-out players, like I feel like there's going to be talent that falls that in a normal year, it would seem kind of weird. And if you have more picks in the top 100, you have a much better chance of getting those guys. Yeah, that's a, that is a perfectly, that's a perfectly reasonable thought to have. I mean, you know, if, uh, if, if you've done your, if you've done your scouting homework and you can see that if you move down to 15 or 20 or wherever, and you still have a lot of options that are going to be high on your board, you know, then absolutely work the phones and see what you can get. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's one simple answer to that uh, every time around. I mean, there may be, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Chubb, there may be that player that nobody thought would fall that far and he's just too good to pass up. I mean, I mean, I think Panay Sewell is the name I keep hearing about Same. that, that got, you know, all of that, um, you know, all of that high rep early on in the process, but you know, weird things happen in the draft. They do. All it takes is one team taking Cleland uh, Farrell. So, <laughs> Oh, that is still one of my favorite, uh, Raider draft picks of all time. Can't 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 uh, trump Jamarcus Russell though. That's true. Uh I want to thank you so much for your time, Nick. Uh guys, again, if you don't already follow him on Twitter, he is at Nick Corti. Uh I am going to spell it out for you. It is N-I-C-K-K-O-R-T-E. Uh go follow him again. Basically, the compensate com- I can't even say it. Basically, the compensatory pick master. Um, and on top of that. A lot of insightful stuff about contracts. Bronco fan talks about the Broncos. Why aren't you following him already? So go follow him. Thank, thank you so much, Joe. Always good to talk to you.